Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. I hope you're doing well. Sounds like it's been a good morning so far. Oh, I'm going to be tripping over. Sorry, just move that out of the way. Right, we're in Daniel chapter 7. Most of you will know we're in uh, in the middle of a series preaching through the book of Daniel. Um, We have got as far as chapter 7, which is where things change a little bit. So, thanks, Nick. I've already made my presence known in the East this morning and sent coffee flying all over. I like to make an entrance, so we'll see what we can do with that water as well. Um, Right, Daniel chapter 7. We, um, so we've done chapters 1 to 6, which are really the kind of historical chapters. So they're really the story of what happened to Daniel and his friends as they were taken into exile in Babylon, you'll remember. Uh, the people of God were in exile in Babylon. Um, and so those first few chapters, more historical, what happened, what happened with the kings. And then from chapter 7 onwards, it all gets a bit more crazy. So... Um, we get Daniel's visions and dreams and what we begin to understand is that God is giving him pictures and revelations of what, of what God sees behind the events of history. So ja- uh, Daniel chapter 7 onwards is what's known as uh, apocalyptic kind of literature. So it's a bit like the book of Revelation. Yeah, all these wacky pictures and dreams and things. Um, but apocalyptic simply means unveiling. So God is unveiling in Daniel's dreams the reality behind the circumstances of life. So we see these things that are happening in history, things that are happening to Daniel and his mates in Babylon, things that we see that are happening around us in the world today. But behind all of that, God wants to reveal to us what he, the, the way that he sees things. Because his picture of history and his picture of our lives within history is somewhat different from what we see on the face of it in the world. Amen? And so that's what this vision, uh, this dream that Daniel's given in chapter 7 is all about. Uh, So let's read chapter 7. It's long and it's slightly complicated, so we need to get speed on. Okay, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream, and visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a human being and the mind of a human was given to it. And there before me was a second beast which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. After that I looked and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard. And on its back it had four wings like those of a bird. This beast had four heads and it was given authority to rule. After that, in my vision at night, I looked and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts and it had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them. And three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a human being and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I looked, thrones were set in place and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire and its wheels were all ablaze. 
A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into a blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority, but they were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit, and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. I approached one of those standing there and asked him the meaning of all of this. So he told me and gave me the interpretation of these things. The four great beasts are four kings that will rise from the earth. But the holy people of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. He gave me this explanation, just jumping to verse 23. Um, He gave me this explanation. The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on earth. It will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth, trampling it down and crushing it. The ten horns of ten kings who will come from this kingdom. After them, another king will arise, different from the earlier ones. He will subdue three kings. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his holy people and try to change the set times and the laws. The holy people will be delivered into his hands for a time, times, and half a time. But the court will sit, and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will worship and obey him. Okay, so amazing apocalyptic pictures, but I'm going to try in the short time that we have to simplify them down and to pull some things out for us. And what we understand really from these four, uh, these four beasts, these incredible beasts, is that they represent, so they represent, the Bible tells us, four rulers or four kingdoms or empires. Um, and they're very similar actually to the sections of the statue that you'll remember from chapter two. So if you remember the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar dreamed about in chapter two, it had these sections and we saw that they represented four different empires that were around on the earth at the time of Daniel. So the first one was the Babylonian Empire um, where the Israelites were in exile and then after that came the Medo-Persian Empire and after that there was the Greeks and after that there was the Romans which was more powerful than those others. And so you can see immediately at that time in history that you can begin to interpret these pictures of the beast as being these different kingdoms that rose and fall uh, in that time around Daniel. But also what we understand as we look into this and we see the pictures also of God's reign and his kingdom is that actually with what we're seeing with the beasts is if you like a picture of kingdoms and rulers all through human history. So it was true in the time of Daniel that there was these four different kingdoms that came up Um, as I've just described, but also if you dip into any other part of human history, you can equally see other kingdoms that spring up, rulers that seem to take authority, that have power, that do things on the earth, maybe destructive, uh, maybe good, not so good. But actually, 
through them all, what God wants to reveal to us is that he sees something quite different, that behind the whole of human history, as rulers and kingdoms come and go, is one who sits in authority over it all. Amen? And so he sees this vision of the ancient of days, the one who sits on the ultimate throne, the one who has sovereign power, against whom no other authority can come and challenge. And that into his presence comes one that we're described as being like a son of man. And a son of man is a phrase that is used to describe, throughout the Bible it's used to describe Jesus. It's a phrase that he uses to talk about himself. And so we see this picture in Daniel's dream of the of the, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, coming into the presence of God. And because of what he does, we know that that's dying for us, dying in our place, rising again. Because of what he's done, God the Father gives him supreme authority and puts into his hands the kingdom which will rule over the whole earth eternally. The ultimate kingdom, the, the final dominion will be in the hands of Jesus Christ God's chosen king. So as we look into human history, whether it be at the time of Daniel or we might dip dip into any other time in human history, and we can see what seem like apparently powerful and maybe scary uh, people who are in control, kingdoms who come and go, but we see over it all that God is the supreme ruler, that actually he has sovereign power. That nothing happens amongst the kingdoms and the nations of the earth unless he allows it to happen. And that rulers rise and fall, but their power is defined. It's limited and ultimately it's God and his chosen king, Jesus Christ, that has the final say and the final sway. And that actually a day of reckoning has been set. There is a day set in history where it says that God's court will sit. His judgment will be pronounced on every other king and every other ruler and every other nation that has, um, that has ruled on the earth. And he will pronounce judgment because his is the final authority. And so that is to be the picture as we look at whatever part of history we look at. And boy, is this a great message for us today as we see the US and Russia jostling for position uh, in Syria. Or we look at what's happening in North Korea uh, with the Americans and the kind of Who's going to be most powerful? Who is somebody going to push the button? Are we all in, in danger and China's muscling in and we see uh, Islamic um, fundamentalism on the rise and going over national borders and terrorism? And we look at where, as was uh, Julian just referred to, even in Burundi where we're involved and Donna's just come back from, and we see human rulers exerting their authority and in some cases doing incredible damage and and. As, as Daniel says in his dream, it can be troubling. He was troubled as he looked. And as we look out into the world, we're often troubled. We're shaken. We're confused by what we see. But the message of this passage, the message of Daniel's vision in, in chapter 7, is that God is ultimately in control. Amen. That he has the final say. That rulers on the earth are only in place for a limited period of time. And their, their authority is controlled. And actually, there will be a day when God calls time on all of that and says, OK, I'm going to judge everybody who's had authority over the earth. So what a great message for us today, even with our own position, as we as we stress about whether we're 
well, we stress about maybe the fact that we're out and we're a little island floating off away from the EU into the North Sea and what's going to happen to us and what, what will it look like without that and we've got our own election and everything's up in the air all over again. But aren't elections great fun? I love a good election. But, and we can get very worried about these things. But actually God says, no, I'm in control. I'm sovereign. It's my hands ultimately that are on the tiller of the universe and I know what I'm doing. And people have limited power for a period of time. But look to me, God says. And so I've got two questions for us this morning, really, in the context of Daniel's dream that I want to ask us. And, and the first question is this. It's where are you looking this morning? Because Daniel sees these visions. He's initially troubled. But then it says, the, the Bible says, he kept looking. And the thing for us is we get... Whether, whether it be the circumstances that are going on around us in our nation or in the nations of the world, or whether actually it's the circumstances that are going on in our own lives, it's easy for us to become troubled. It's easy for us to put our eyes down onto the circumstances of life, our own lives, our nation, the things that concern us. But actually God says, no, I want you to keep your eyes up. I want you to see this other vision. I want you to keep looking. I want you to see that ultimately I'm on the throne, that I've appointed my chosen king. It's Jesus Christ, actually, because of what he did, because he's the authentic man, not like any of the other rulers on the earth, the authentic man, the one who laid down his life for you. Because of what he did, I've given him all authority. Ultimately, the kingdom is in his hands. He's the one whose kingdom will last forever. His dominion will be over everything. I want you to lift your eyes and I want you to see him. He's on the throne. His kingdom is coming. And that's where I want you to anchor your hope. And so this morning, whatever, and there's all sorts of circumstances going on, even in this room, isn't there? But, but God say, where, where are your eyes looking this morning? I want you to fix them on me. There's one who's ultimately in control. There's one who has the ultimate authority, whose judgment is the, has the final say. And actually, you're in him. And I want you to put your hope, I want your hope to be anchored in that picture, in the picture of the Ancient of Days who has all authority and his chosen King, Jesus. Amen? Amen? So where are you looking this morning? Is that where you're looking? Whatever your circumstances, that is to be where our hope is anchored. And so as a people, we should be we shouldn't be shaken. We should look something different from the people around us in the world. When things are going on in life. It doesn't mean everything's plain sailing, but we shouldn't be shaken in the same way as others because our eyes are fixed on a different place. Amen? And that's the challenge for us this morning. Where are your eyes looking? It doesn't mean that everything will be plain sailing. In fact, the promise of Jesus is, isn't it, that in this world you will have trouble, is what he says. That's a promise. It's not a very politician-like promise. It's not like the promises you're going to hear over the next six weeks. Or the promises that have already been broken, apparently. But let's, be not, not, let's not be too hard on them. They're human beings. But no, it's, it's actually a very realistic promise, isn't it? In this world, you will have trouble. But what does he say? But take heart, I have overcome the world. And in this vision, we see trouble for the people of God, don't we? That there will be those who come against the people of God. There will be those who challenge. There will be trouble for God's people. There will be those who try to change the way things are done in society so that they go against the things that we hold dear and the things that are important to the people. All of that's in that passage. 
And that was Jesus' promise. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And what does Jesus say? I tell you these things so that in me you will have peace. Apart from Jesus, there is no peace. Amen? Amen? There's lots of people around the world who think that they can bring peace. That's probably another of the promises we'll hear over the next six weeks, isn't it? Promising peace, promising control. Actually, there's limited things that human beings can do. There's only one who can really bring peace, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen? He's the peace giver, and, his, and the, the instruction from him is, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And if you put your hope in me, if your eyes are fixed on my kingdom that's coming, then in me you can have peace. It's the only place you can find peace, actually, is to run to him and to be in him. Amen? So in the circumstances of life, where are your eyes looking this morning? And then the next question is this. Do you know who you are? Bit of a funny question, you might think. But it's interesting in this passage that as we have revealed to us this kingdom that is coming, and the king who is ultimately on the throne, into whose hands have been given all ultimate and everlasting authority, the other thing that we see starkly is we see the saints. Yeah? So let me read to you verse 18 and then verse 27, which is about the saints. Some, people's, some, some of your Bibles might say the holy people, but also the saints is an equally good translation. But the saints of the Most High, verse 18, will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. And then verse 27, then the sovereignty, power and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the saints, the people of the Most High. That sounds pretty exciting, doesn't it? That the kingdom, ultimately, the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the kingdom that will reign forever, the kingdom that is coming in which we're to put our hope, that's handed over to the saints, the holy people of the Most High God. So we'll have to see where we, if we can find who they are and where they are. Yes, well, you're right. Yes, they're right here in this room. It's you and it's me. You're, you're the saints, amen? I don't know if you feel like a saint this morning. I don't really care, actually, if you feel like a saint. The truth is you are a saint, Amen? And so often we don't think like this, do we? Do you know, a saint is a holy one. Amen? One who's been set apart for purpose, consecrated for purpose. So it wasn't because of anything in us, the Bible tells us, doesn't it? But God has chosen us. God has chosen to lavish his grace and his mercy on us, to bring us back to life when we were dead in our sins, and to make us saints, inheritors of this new kingdom. Amen? That's pretty amazing, isn't it? And so it is exciting. Yeah, exactly. And so you are a saint this morning, set apart for purpose, a holy one of God. And so often we look and, oh no, I couldn't possibly be a saint. I don't feel like a saint. I couldn't possibly be a saint. I couldn't possibly be one of God's chosen inheritors of the kingdom. But that's who we are, the Bible says. And we, especially the Britishers amongst us, uh, who find it really difficult to, to say, oh no, 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 we've heads down. No, you're a saint this morning. Dimple, you're a saint this morning. Amen? Doug, you're a saint this morning. Dave, eyes up, you're a saint this morning. Amen? Debbie, you're a saint this morning. 
I can't go round everybody. I'd love to. There isn't time. <laughs> this side of the room, you're saints as well. Okay, it's all right. But listen, you're the chosen ones of the Most High God. The one who was... Uh, The one who is ultimately on the throne. The one whose kingdom is coming. The one that is revealed to Daniel. Whatever else is going on in life, this kingdom is coming. The one that Jesus' kingdom, the king has been chosen. And make no mistake, his kingdom is coming. It was inaugurated when he first came on the earth. He died and rose again. He said, now my kingdom has come. It's not yet fully come, but we've seen this picture in Daniel 7 that there will be a day when it fully comes where no other kingdom has sway, where Jesus Christ's rule is evident, obvious, and in full. But right now, we are those who, as we understand who we are, as we understand that we're inheritors of this kingdom, we begin to see it come about in our lives. That's the plan of the Bible, isn't it? The prayer of Jesus that we're to pray says, let your kingdom come. That's what we're to pray. God, let your kingdom come. How does that happen? Well, it happens. We don't have to do anything special except to be who God says that we are in this picture. That we're saints. You're a saint. You're a holy one. You've been set apart for purpose. But it's it's not complicated. Because of who we are, because God's life is now in us, because we're part of his family, because we've been set apart and chosen, and now all the resources of heaven are, are, are at our disposal... So as we live out life in that context, understanding who we are, we usher in his kingdom. Amen. The Bible says, doesn't it, in Matthew, that we have been given, Jesus says, you've been given the keys of the kingdom. You are those who bring in by the way that you are, as you understand who you are, you are the, the ones who bring in this new kingdom that is coming. It's an amazing truth, isn't it? And so I believe this question for us is this morning, do you understand who you are? Do you understand that you're the inheritors that Daniel sees in this vision of this kingdom? And so it doesn't, and this, by the way, it's not about leaders. It's not about people with roles. It's not about particularly big apparent gifts. It's about every single one of us. It doesn't make any distinction. It just says you're saints, saints of the kingdom. And every one of us, wherever we're placed on Monday morning, whether we're a teacher or in a boardroom in London or chained in the nappy of our baby, wherever God puts us, You're a saint. You're a chosen one. In you are the keys of the kingdom. And and as, as we say to God, let your kingdom come in my life. As we live out who we are, full of the Holy Spirit, then we expect his kingdom to come amongst us. Amen? And so the Bible says you're to seek first the kingdom of God. That's the instruction to the saints. Seek first his kingdom. Yeah? And all these other things that you worry about in life and that you think about and that you get consumed with, I'm talking to myself as well, they'll be added to you. God says, I'll look after those things. What I want you to focus on is seeking my kingdom. This kingdom that you've seen, the ultimate kingdom that is coming, I want your attention, saints, people of God, to be on seeking my kingdom. Seeking me, wherever you find yourself, in the ordinary things of life, whoever you meet tomorrow, then the, the, the thing on your lips is, God, I want to seek your kingdom here. Let your kingdom come in this relationship. Let your kingdom come tomorrow, wherever you put me. It's not about Sundays. When we gather on Sundays, we say, God, what have you been doing amongst us as God's saints? What's happened? We celebrate who we are and what God's doing. But then the, all the rest of the time, we're, at, we're, we're seekers of the kingdom. We're those who usher in because of who we are, this incredible kingdom. Amen. And we need to understand that this is, this is the power that we have in our hands. 
It's been the Easter holidays. We found a great family-friendly movie this week. I would recommend it. I did, I did this bit really badly in the West because I talked about the film that we'd watched at home and I gave away the end. And so all the people in the West, there's no point in them watching it now because I told them what was going to happen. Um, I'll try to do better than that here. So Aquila and the Bee, you've got to watch this film. It's about a spelling bee and this kid from the wrong side of town um, uh, who enters a spelling competition and all uh, that. And I'm not telling you the end of the story. I can't do this kind of thing. Um, anyway, it's a great movie and it's, uh, it's great for everybody. But there's this brilliant quote that I had to write down because I wanted to say, tell you it this morning. And it, it goes like this. This is what's spoken into this girl who's doing the spelling competitions by her, by her tutor. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. Amen? Amen. Yep, normal secular film on Netflix. That's pretty good, I thought. We're born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. And that's the truth this morning, because you're a saint. You're a holy one, chosen, set apart by God. So what we need to do is we need to start activating that within us. We need to understand who we are. We need to say our prayer on our lips needs to be, God, let your kingdom come in my life. Tomorrow morning, wherever you put me, whoever you put me with, God, let your kingdom come. We need to be seekers of the kingdom. And let's see what God will do amongst us, shall we? Isn't that, I believe that's where God's got us right now. It's what God's speaking to us about as a leadership team, absolutely. And so the series, the preaching series that's coming after Daniel is all about the kingdom of God. We're going to spend a long time exploring what is the kingdom of God. How, what does it mean to seek it? Who, what does it mean to be the inheritors of it? Because we believe this is what God has for us in these days. And that actually we're to see his kingdom begin to be ushered in in greater measure in our day as we understand what God is doing with us. Amen. And that's one of the pictures that comes out of Daniel chapter 7, I believe. So where, where's your hope anchored? What are you looking at? What are your eyes fixed on? Are they fixed on the coming king? The one who has been given ultimate authority. We might not see it in full right now, but the truth that God is unveiling to us, the behind the scenes truth of the world is that as rulers come and go, as circumstances happen in our life, actually there's one who is permanently on the throne. Not only that, but he has installed his chosen king, the one who died in our place, our saviour, Jesus Christ, the one with ultimate authority through all of his, through all eternity. He's the one that we put our hope in. And guys, we're we're those who usher in. The, we're inheritors of the kingdom. We're the saints. And we say, God, let your kingdom come amongst us in these days. Amen. Let's stand, shall we? We're going to pray for one another. I think that would be a great... The, the guys already were talking about, let's pray for one another. And I think that's so key with this. That is exactly the right response. That actually we are to activate within ourselves... This truth about who we are, that we're those who usher in, that we're their inheritors of the kingdom, which is to say, and now as we minister to one another, as we pray for one another, and now let's be bold and go across the room and say, God, let your kingdom come in this pit. Let's be those who are instruments of this coming kingdom. Amen? Even right now this morning, we say, God, let your kingdom come. And let's, let's enable that in one another's lives. Let's activate our own faith and let's activate this kingdom coming amongst us this morning. 
Are you up for that? Let's be bold and confident. God, you've set us apart. God, you've consecrated us for purpose. We're the inheritors of this incredible coming kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've installed your king, that you've chosen him. We thank you, Jesus, that you are, were, will be always the authentic human being, the one who shows us how it's done, the one who died in our place. Lord, the servant king, we thank you that all authority has been given to you. And though we see it not in full right now, we know that this is the truth. And that is where we put our hope this morning. And Father, I just want to pray now, Lord, by your spirit, let your kingdom come amongst us. Lord, may we understand who we are. May we understand what it is to have the keys of the kingdom in our hands. May we be unlockers in one another's lives of your kingdom power. Lord, in the lives of people that we come across this week who never even heard the name of Jesus, may we be those who unlock your kingdom. We want, to, we want to be seekers of your kingdom. Father, we put our hope in you to provide for us all that we need as we go after you and seeing your kingdom come amongst us. So Father, help us now as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.